The reading today is from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, and can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 1182. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Thanksgiving and prayer. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. You learned from Ephraim, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're in Colossians, folks, uh, and this opening chapter is really a prayer. So I want to start by asking you, how do you pray? Do you pray, God, please help my sick friend? Or do you pray, God, please give me a good test result when I go to the doctor's? Or God, please fix my family. God, please get rid of my wrinkles. I pray that one. (laughs) God, please don't let the stock market fall any further. Have you heard the little child's prayer who said, uh, God bless mummy, God bless daddy, God bless my baby brother, and I guess my annoying sister. God bless our dog Fido, and God, please look after yourself or else we're all sunk. 
There are many ways people pray, isn't there? But what about the way the Apostle Paul prays today in Colossians 1? What an amazing prayer. What an amazing passage. If you've got it open in front of you, um, at the Pew Bible, it's on page 1182. If you haven't got your own Bible, I hope you can find a Pew Bible close by. Page 1182. Paul introduces this prayer in verse 3. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. And then there's a second round of prayer, beginning in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. This is a truly inspired prayer and I suggest a truly inspired epistle, the epistle to the Colossians. And so uh, we're in a new series this week. Uh, It's all about Colossians and our title, Supreme, the Christ of Colossians, all about the supremacy of Christ in every way. Colossae is a town uh, in Turkey, just uh, east of um, uh, Ephesus. Uh, Paul hadn't visited this town, but he wrote this letter to uh, the Colossians because he'd heard about them from Epaphras. Uh, Epaphras is most likely the man who planted the church in Colossae. There's a couple of references to him in the epistle and one in our reading this morning. Uh, Paul had learned about what was going on there through his friendship with Epaphras. And um, he can pray this prayer with such confidence uh, for the Colossians because of all that Epaphras has told him. So how do your prayers compare with the Apostle Paul? And what is it that produces a prayer like we have here in Colossians 1? Well, I think you'll find the answer in the passage itself. The difference is the gospel. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. The apostle says there that they have heard the true message of the gospel. And then in verse 6, that this gospel is bearing fruit in them as well as the rest of the world. It's the gospel which makes a difference in how we pray. It's the gospel which makes a difference for every area of our lives. And so it's important to have clarity about the gospel. And Paul writes this letter so as to give the people clarity. You see, there were others there influencing the Colossians with a false gospel and leading them astray. Scholars call this the Colossian heresy. Paul deals with it especially in chapter 2. But for this morning, let's just sum it up with uh, verse 8 in chapter 2, where he says it's teaching which depends on human tradition, on elemental spiritual forces of this world, or if you look in your footnote, it could be the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So more on that later, but to simply sum it up, I think anything that doesn't exalt Christ uh, is what Paul's standing against here. In our own day, what is the human tradition, the basic principles of this world that does not exalt Christ? Well, as I thought about this, it's probably just the age-old heresy that people think they can work their way into acceptance with God. That it's their good works 
that count and all that counts and is what will get them right with God. I'm not sure how many times I've heard it said something like this. As long as I try and do my best, surely God will accept me in the end. Sounds very sincere, very humble, but in fact it doesn't honour God because it doesn't accept God's way of salvation, which of course is through Jesus. It doesn't recognise the cross and what Jesus did to die for our sins, to make it possible for us to be saved. In fact, it's very human-centred thinking uh, and doesn't need God at all. The Apostle Paul in chapter 1 verse 5 says, No, there is a true message of the gospel. Uh, It's interesting, uh, that's our Pew Bible NIV version. An earlier NIV edition uh, said, The word of truth, the gospel. And your translation, if you've got a different one, might have that because that's a more literal rendering of the Greek. Uh, But we can think of this gospel, you see, as the word of truth. Or as our Pew Bible says, the true message of the gospel. So what is this word of truth? What is this true message of the gospel? Well, there's a multitude of tracts out there you could go to which explain the gospel. There's some solid volumes of systematic theology out there which explain the gospel. But let's look at this passage in front of us. What's foremost in the apostle's mind as he writes to the Colossians about this true message of the gospel? Well, follow it with me. Verse 4, it's about having faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, it's about having a hope stored up in heaven which produces faith and love. Verse 6, it's about understanding God's grace. Verse 8, It produces a love in the spirit. Verse 12, this gospel's about sharing in an inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom. And verse 13, it's about redemption, the forgiveness of sins, being rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son. A lot there, isn't there? A lot we could unpack. But... uh, I want to suggest we can see it in two ways. One is at the heart, what is the heart of the gospel, and the secondly, what is the fruit that the gospel produces. At the heart of the gospel is the supremacy of Christ. The fruit is the multifaceted uh, spelling out here of faith, of love in the spirit, forgiveness of sins, all those other things. But through it all, do you notice the joy and the certainty that Paul has of his relationship with God? It's not about trying harder and then hoping God will accept me in the end. No, it's all about what God has revealed in Christ, what God's already done. And Paul exalts and glorifies God in that gospel. Did you notice how the Trinity is woven through this passage? Uh, Picking up on that theme we looked at last week. And so there's the Father there in verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father. The Son is present in this passage. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Verse 2, to the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 3, God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. 
and verse 13. Skip down to verse 13. From darkness we have been brought into the kingdom of the sun. In this uh, short passage, five references, in fact, to either Jesus Christ or the Son. And then finally, the Spirit is present in this passage. Verse 8 talks about the Colossians' love in the Spirit. Verse 9 talks about knowing God's will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Can you see how here the focus is on God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That's where our salvation lies. That's where the gospel lies, in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you see, it's not human beings that are at the centre, but God. And there are many messages out there exhorting us to be better people, but if they don't uh, find their origin in God and in the gospel of Christ, uh, then they're not the gospel. The gospel's about God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're just passive and we haven't got anything to do. There's plenty of action here that we're called to, in fact. And Paul calls this the fruit of the gospel. So twice Paul uses the word fruit in this passage. In verse 6, he says, The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Verse 10, he says, Live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And so what's this fruit? Well, once again, uh, we have to go back to the passage. Verse 4, I would suggest, a love for all God's people. Verse 5, faith and love. Verse 6, a church growing throughout all the world. Verse 8, love in the spirit. Verse 9, wisdom and understanding that comes from the spirit. Verse 10, good works. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power so that we might have great endurance and patience. And finally, verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful fruit. So the gospel is important. Jesus is supreme. The fruit of the gospel is important. This love in the spirit and the good works. I want to use a little illustration from uh, Tom Wright who's written this he said when Susan bought the house there wasn't much growing in the garden a few tatty little shrubs a mouldy rose bush or two the tree that had been bent sideways by a storm left to grow crooked it was a depressing sight a few days after she'd moved in a friend came to visit and brought some seeds for the garden they were special he said not what you'd expect once you've sown them And watered them, plants will grow vigorously and would quickly cover a large area with beautiful flowers. But that wasn't all. Amongst the leaves will be some delicious fruit. When When that appears and ripens, then you'll know the plants have come to stay. Well, within a week or two, the garden was transformed and Susan decided to get rid of the old plants and let the new ones flourish. They quickly filled the space with colour and perfume. She telephoned her friend, what on earth was this new plant? It wasn't in any of the gardening books she'd ever seen. Ah, he said, it's new. It's transforming gardens everywhere. You're part of a whole new world. My friends, the seed is the word of the gospel, the word of truth, 
the gospel. And it makes attractive, fruitful churches like the one here in Colossae. I want to finish, though, by talking about one other fruit in this passage, which is so important, and that is prayer. Because really the whole passage is about prayer. It's Paul's prayer to the Colossians. Paul's prayer, in fact, is evidence of gospel fruit. Paul's totally focused on God, focused on the gospel of God and the fruit it produces. Uh, He's focused on God's grace shown in Christ, the redemption, uh, the forgiveness of sin, but he's concerned for others, and it's full of, so that the uh, prayer is full of joy and thanksgiving for the Colossians, for their faith in Jesus and their love for all of God's people. To me, it's just an incredible passage showing, uh, it's to me the image of a recreation of the Garden of Eden um, because of the gospel. And this is a magnificent way to pray. How do you pray? Are they arrow prayers throughout the day for immediate needs? Are they prayers for your immediate family and friends? Nothing wrong with arrow prayers or immediate needs. But please make sure you are a gospel prayer, a gospel prayer. When you hand control of your life over to Jesus Christ as Lord, you should notice a change in the way you pray. There should be this new focus on God and on others after this pattern of Colossians 1. Why not use this passage as a template for your prayers this week? Uh, In your daily prayers, have this passage open. So as you pray for your loved ones, as you pray for your church, as you pray for SU chappies, as you pray for our world, uh, you pray some of the petitions that Paul gives us here in Colossians 1. Be a gospel Christian praying with a gospel heart. Let me uh, pray uh, after this pattern of Colossians. Father, uh, thank you for the word of truth, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness, bringing us into the kingdom of your Son. Thank you for the hope we have in the gospel, for the faith and the love that spring from that hope. Thank you that this gospel is bearing fruit amongst us and growing throughout the whole world. Lord, may we live a life worthy of you, pleasing you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.